Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debates, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 93 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, the good old Dougie Gilmore edition. And uh, also, of note, 93, last year the Canadians won the Stanley Cup, 1993. So this is a very special episode here of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm uh-huh. pleased to be joined in studio uh, by the founder and president of Rocket Sports Media, our editor-in-chief, Mr. Rick Stevens. How are you doing on this fine day, Rick? I'm doing well, and it, it's exciting. It's exciting with uh, hockey almost back. It's getting closer. First game action, um, uh, just 10 days away, uh, 28th, yeah. uh, there'll be an exhibition game against the Leafs. Uh, and speaking of Leafs, Canadians, you think of Dougie Gilmore, number 93. Yep. Um, now, what do I usually do at this particular <laughs> juncture in the show? <laughs> I, I tell a story, I tell an anecdote, I present some statistics, and kind of wind my, you know, do where are they now? Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. And kind of wind our way around to make a Canadian's connection. But I thought I'd do something a little bit different. Now I haven't I haven't cleared this with you. No, I'm 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 ready for whatever your whatever journey you're about to take us on. We have a special guest. Oh. Yeah. Now he's uh, t- times times uh, you know uh, short, um, and I'm just glad he was able to join us. He joins us from. Uh, the uh, lobby of his neighborhood arena. Oh. Hi, all hockey fans at allhabs.net. Doug Gilmore here. Wow. Dougie. Says hello to all hockey fans at allhabs.net. Doug Gilmore here. Wow. And that's how we make a Canadian's connection. That's <laughs> I think that that might be the best one that we've done so far. <laughs> the, the best Canadian's connection we've done so far with a personal appearance from uh, for for whom this is uh this podcast is dedicated so that's that's a fantastic fantastic canadians connection to get us started here on episode 93 and i must say last week's episode 92 and as chris g pointed out you were both here for the jonathan drouin edition which (laughs) as he pointed out was very fitting so i'm happy to be here happy to be here for the doug gilmore edition and get that lovely uh get that lovely uh little clip of Doug Gilmore. Thanks uh, for uh, thanks to Doug for doing that. That was that was kind of Absolutely. Fun. That Welcome was Welcome back fantastic. by the way. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh boy oh boy, are we ever here for a, for a full show as we always are with the Canadians Connection podcast and we have a lot of news to get to as it pertains to the resumption of play as always and we're going to get to that. Carl Alsner opting out. That's an interesting piece of news. Coming up in the big topic, we're going to just look back at how we got to this point with the resumption of play. It's imminent. It's as you said, they're 10 days from now they'll be playing an exhibition game. August 1st is when this is all set to begin. So we're just going to take a look back and, and, and discuss what some teams have raised as, as concerns, you know, in, in the months leading up to this. 
So we'll get to that in our big topic segment. We do have a poll out on Twitter at the moment that we'll be getting to in the third segment, which we'll, uh, we'll simply just ask, which player are you looking forward to seeing out of we've given you uh, a handful of options. We've given you three on Twitter between Yasperi Cut, Kanyemi, Nick Suzuki, and Noah Juleson. And on Facebook, we have it between Cut, Kanyemi, and Suzuki. So, as I said, we have quite a lot to get to and unpack here in this uh, next hour or so. So, Rick, I suggest we we get things started, get this show on the road. Absolutely. Uh, with with some Alexander Romanoff news, which has been the way that we've let off many of the shows uh, since the NHL's pause in their season. And uh, we found out this week that Alexander Romanoff will be joining the Canadians at some point in Phase 3 and that his entry-level contract clock will be starting now. So remember back to May where they sort of announced that they would be agreeing to terms on this three-year entry-level deal. We just didn't know when it would start exactly. So now we know when it's starting. They are going to burn a year of Alexander Romanov's contract, his entry-level deal. Um, He will not be able to play in Phase 4, unfortunately, for Montreal Canadiens fans. Otherwise, he would be in that poll that we just mentioned, Mm -hmm. (laughs) certainly. Uh, So there are still some things. There's still, you know, dot and I's and cross and T's when it comes to Alexander Romanov and when exactly he will be joining the club. Uh, they got to get his visa situation sorted out. All of those things are elements that you need to consider when you're looking at Alexander Romanov's case. But all with all of that said, though, still really encouraging news that he will be joining the club and, and getting in some sort of repetition with his, uh, his his teammates for next year and the years to come. It's it's great news and. Um when it was when it was finally done, when he signed his three-year entry-level deal, um, you know it was big news, and we, we yep. posted that to um, we posted it to Twitter, posted it to to Facebook, our All Habs fan page on Facebook. Um, the post about signing Alexander uh, Romanov was read by fifty thousand fans. So, <laughs> yeah, incredible. So there's Just obviously an interest. Yeah, um, just a little bit of excitement. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> now um, that that excitement is tempered a little bit because he's not going to be able to play, and there was some um, negotiation and some dispute, and and uh, I think um, his agent Dan Milstein was was hoping uh, that he would play. Of course, there was a couple of other uh, players in a similar situation in Sorokin and and Caprizov uh, uh, and and. Uh, uh, but Romanov signed his three-year deal. It's essentially a two-year deal when you think about yeah. it because of him burning <laughs> this uh, this first year. But uh, he signed uh, the three-year deal uh, Monday uh, when the window was open. Um, and it was only at that point that he could apply for his visa. Now, I mean, the Canadians are going to expedite that as quickly as they can, but these things take time. Yep. And even if that was... Um, you know, uh, facilitated and, and done by Friday. Well, then it would be a matter of getting him a flight to Montreal. And then when he once he gets to Montreal, he has to go into quarantine. Yes. Now, um, we wondered whether it would be the, the 14-day quarantine. Apparently, they have an eight-day express quarantine. Um, which is, oh. which, which is nice. No, no, it, 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 it sorry, I'm making it sound silly, but it, it's, but, it, it yeah. means him being tested over the course of yes. every two days for eight days. Um, and, uh, and putting up four negative tests. So, um, I don't see 
that he's going to be part of phase three. Uh, it doesn't look like he's going to be part of the Canadians training camp. And there was some question about whether he would uh, head directly to Toronto. Um, yeah. But th- there doesn't seem to be a provision for that in the return to play protocol. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Still some details, as you said, to be worked out. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's coming here and, and, you know, um, feelings have been mixed. Uh, I heard Darren Drager say, said, you know, I don't really get why they're doing this. Um, what's the what's the benefit? He can't play, um, and he's not going to be part of the training camp or much of it, um, if at all. He can practice uh, once the Canadians get to the qualifying round or once they get in the, the hub city. Um, but is that is that? Enough, and we heard uh, Mark Bergevin in his uh, press conference on Monday say uh, there's a huge difference between a player coming to a first training camp and then participating in their second. They seem to know where things are, they know people. Um, now, he's not really going to participate in a training camp, but he'll be around the guys, and that seemed, I guess, appealing to the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. And I mean, if you're a fan of the Montreal Canadiens, at the very least, it is something to take into consideration when you are, you know, thinking about next season. Uh, any, you know, if that's where this goes, because, you know, he's not going to be playing any games this year anyways, whether or not he gets there on time for any part of training camp, as we say, we, we don't really know when exactly that will be, but it's something to look forward to for next season, which is, uh, I think, where most Habs fans are at this point anyways. So mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll take that as a, for what it is. Well, and if we're listening to to Mark Bergevin, he said there was some concern. Now, Dan Milstein said uh, there was no concern. They, they, they had no intention of playing in the yeah. KHL, and there was no kind of reciprocal agreement. Uh, but Mark Bergevin seemed to have a concern that uh, with Romanov wanting to play as soon as possible— that he could have ended up in the, the KHL, uh, and then it would have been difficult getting him uh, back over. So um, they they yeah. have eliminated that possibility. Yeah, and and you know whether or not there was intention, whether or not Dan Milstein says there's intention, it's it's good to have that sort of out of your mind at, at the very least. Um, but yes, uh, moving on to some news about the Canadians' camp, about who will be there and and who might not be there, and we know for a fact that Carl Alsner will not be there. He's opted out of uh, the resumption of play, saying uh, with a quote that said, I am opting out for the return of the return to play uh, for the health and safety of me and my family. So uh, understandable, understandable motives from for Carl Alsner to opt out of this. Obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty, as there has been. I mean, he's not the only player that's opted out. Travis Hamanek, other, other players, Sven Berchi, they've opted out as well because of the uncertainty that sort of exists around this. And uh, for Carl Alsner as well, I mean, you have to consider, and, and some people have pointed out, it's not a huge loss for the Canadians. Some <laughs> fans have pointed out that it isn't a huge loss because the contract hasn't worked out as, as we would have liked. Um, but I, I'm going to say that, but then also say that Carl Alsner in his second season, if we remember back to that camp in his second season, actually outplayed Jordy Ben, and yet he was somebody that was not really given a shot by Claude Julien to earn a spot on that team. So I'm not putting words in the mouth of Carl Alsner. I have no intent to do that. His reasoning is solid. But just to say, I mean, you look at a guy that might have thought that even if he did go and he did play well, he might not have gotten in the lineup anyways. So why even 
you know, sort of get into that bubble, get into that mix and, and expose yourself to the virus potentially. So I think, you know, all of those things have to be considered when talking about Carl Alsner's case. Now, uh, yeah, and I agree with you totally. There, there's, there's, there's no reason for, for Carl Alsner took advantage of the opt-out. It's available. Yep. As you said, others did. Hamannick, Berchi, Mike Green, uh, yep. Roman Polak, Stephen Camfer. Um, it's, it's, it, it was part of what was negotiated, and uh, he took advantage of it. He owes the Canadians nothing. Um, they, you know, he, he played four games for, for the Canadians. I guess there's a chance that he could have played. Unlikely, as you said. Uh, but at the AHL level, he's been a mentor for uh, Kel Fleury, for Josh Brooke, um, and and he's he's done everything. I, I thought it was a little cheap in the, and we'll, we'll talk more about uh, Mark Bergevin's uh, press conference on Monday, took a bit of a veiled shot at um, Carl Olsner saying, um, and I'm going to read the quote, um, quote, I feel our guys are excited because they uh, are here. They could have opted out in brackets like Carl Lalsner. You know, it was, it's kind of a bit of a veiled shot. And and yeah. uh, and the other part of it, we just talked about Romanov. Uh, when Romanov arrives, he'll be wearing number 27. Uh, that's <laughs> Carl Lalsner's number. And he's still got, Carl does, uh, two more years on his contract. So, um, I, I, you know, um, I... I it's it's an odd situation, and I wish Carl and his family well, and I have no qualms about him opting out. Absolutely not, and and there shouldn't be any sort of, you should not think less of somebody for doing that. There's a lot of uncertainty surrounding all of this, and just not the NHL, like the world of sports, and and just the world in general. There's a lot of uncertainty, and and these guys have that option, and he took advantage of it. Uh, which is his right to do. And we've talked many times about Carl Alsner's positive effect on the development of Kale Fleury in particular, but uh, as a mentor in Laval in general, he's, he's done a fantastic job. So, um, but yes, wish him all the best and, uh, and, and for health and, and safety, as he's uh, pointed out as his reasons uh, for opting out. Uh, another one that we are keeping an eye on was back on July the 12th, uh, the Montreal Canadiens and Max Domi uh, came to an agreement that they would be taking seven to 10 days before Max Domi uh, joins the club. And they'll take that time to consider the fact that Max's health condition with type one diabetes, uh, you know, that's obviously something to consider for him. And they want to make sure that it is, uh, you know, safe for him to join the club. And they're going to evaluate the ongoing situation in order to make the best decision for Max's health. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that's, that's the right call here. Obviously, as we said, there's a lot of uncertainty and, um, you know, for me, for my money, I mean, I don't know if the risk benefit really is there for Max Domi. I think, I mean, especially if you're looking at the Montreal Canadians and a guy that we're going to talk about in a little bit, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, who's looked so good. I don't know if the risk is really worth it for Max Domi other than to say, come out outright and say that he won't be participating. This was the next best thing to do, which is to take your time, make an informed decision. And that's what they're doing. So the seven to day to 10 day thing might end up being a little bit longer than that. Yeah. And maybe the thinking here is uh, that we know uh, phase three, um, it, the, the teams aren't in a bubble. They go home, they see other yeah. people, they, and, and maybe the idea is uh, wait till we get to Toronto, wait till we get to phase four, 
and then Max is in that bubble and maybe it's a safer environment for him. Um, type 1 diabetes, there's there's an obvious risk. Now, each player uh, to each his own. Uh, Luke Coonan uh, with the Wild, also type 1. He's, he's at camp. Uh, but again, we have nothing. Um, this is each player has to make their own decision. And yeah. we know that there's a risk because uh, there's an obvious risk because We've seen players missing from the Canadians' practice, and we'll get into that in a sec, but um, that would, I would think, pose a risk to Max Domi and may have been part of the the equation in... in, in figuring out whether he's going to uh, participate or not in training camp. Yeah, and as you said, we're going to discuss that the Athletic reported that there were positive tests in the Montreal Canadiens organization. And following those reports, and of course, you know, the NHL is making sure that, you know, this is a private matter, that things aren't, you know, exposed. So we don't know for sure, but they do use the term unfit to practice. And we noticed that Brett Kulak and Xavier Ouellette were unfit to practice. And then we also had the mystery surrounding Paul Byron, though that seemed to have resolved itself with him uh, scheduled to practice today. John Liu tweeted out just a short while ago that he would be practicing. So that seems to have resolved itself. But the other, you know, the other two cases, unfit to practice, that's the terminology that that the NHL is using uh, when it comes to, uh, I guess, I, I mean, it could be any injury, maybe if they're just trying to be discreet about it as possible. But that's been the sort of code that we've learned to decipher into, you know, the coronavirus. <laughs> it's so odd. Uh, and, yeah. and uh, you know, you might blame the NHL, but the players, at the NHLPA yep. asked for this. They they yep. wanted, they figured this would uh, lead to privacy and it's all it's done is lead to speculation. Yeah. Um, Weber missed a practice. Uh, well, he skated on his own. That was, you know, <laughs> a bit odd. Yeah. Um, Josh Brook missed a, a practice. Um, and... The, the whole thing with the athletic, uh, Arpen Basu is a good reporter. Uh, he put it out there um, that he had a source within the organization that said there was three positive tests. Um, then he walked it back a little bit the next day, and that seems like the big thumb of the Montreal Canadiens media uh, yeah. machine that came <laughs> down on him. Um, and he said, well, there was some false positives. Well, if that's the case, that's important information because that means the tests are failing. And if so, that would be the first case in the NHL of, of uh, bad tests. Uh, and that's something we should know. Um, yeah. However, Brett Kulak, Xavier Ouellette, neither one of them has been on the ice uh, this week. Uh, so uh, maybe there were positive tests. So it's 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 very confusing. And I should say, Willette uh, um, skated in uh, at Brossard in phase two. Uh, Kulak hasn't been on the ice at all. Um, so all of this, and then and then, if 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 this wasn't curious enough, there was uh, Claude Julien yesterday um, talking, and it continued today. Uh, that there were circumstances uh, uh, surrounding a group of five players who practiced alone, who didn't practice with the regular group, who practiced with Pierre Allard, the uh, the sports science guy. That was Philip Deneau, Ryan Paling, Kale Fleury, Victor Meta, and Caden Primo. They all skated together before practice, asked Julian about it, he said, circumstances. 
what does that mean? And it's kind of like the Calgary uh, Flames with Johnny Gaudreau. And, and yeah. so it just leads to a lot of speculation, mystery. Uh, what are the circumstances? And, and Julian said uh, these were conditions that appeared early in the week and we were forced to take action to move this group separately from the main group. What does that all mean? <laughs> it's it's really yeah. bizarre. Yeah, and and as you said, it does lead to speculation, and you wonder if you know if the NHL did it the way the NBA is doing it. At least you wouldn't have this speculation about guys who might just be hurt or might be ailing from something other than the coronavirus. Because I mean, if you're mm-hmm. if you're that transparent, then there isn't going to be the question. I know you want to avoid situations like what happened with Austin Matthews where he did not consent to that information being revealed, and it was ultimately revealed. But at the end of the day, if you have this sort of transparency, you avoid situations like we are currently having where we're just speculating about who might have it. Because, I mean, it's certainly something that you have to consider going forward before we enter the bubble, or before these guys enter the bubble. Uh, It's certainly something that you have to keep an eye on and monitor. Um, and, and using a term like unfit to practice doesn't really clarify things. It just leads to more speculation. Um, but moving on from that to something a little bit more of a, of a positive story that emerged this week, and that is that Jesperi Kotkaniemi has really shined at camp, um, and he's gotten praise from his coach, Claude Julian, which, as we know, this year did not, uh, he did not garner that positive praise <laughs> from his coach earlier this season. Uh, but you look at the fact, I mean, John Liu tweeted out a video of his one-timer from the right circle, which looks, and it looked, and, and, and honestly, I was someone that believed before he got sent down to Laval that he should be a more prominent feature on the power play with that one-timer, either in the slot or on the right side. Um, but regardless, the fact that he's worked on his skating in Finland, he's added some muscle, I think. He's, he hasn't been exactly clear if it's muscle or just weight, but he's added muscle. He's added some, some weight to his frame at the very least, which is something he was uh, quite lanky. So that, that's positive news. And, of course, he got some comments on that Instagram post of him playing tennis. Uh, he, seemed, he seemed a little bit uh, taken aback by that. I don't know if he was expecting it to be, uh, to be brought up when asking about his frame. But uh, regardless... Jesperi Kotkaniemi is looking great. That's fantastic news for the Montreal Canadiens. And you think back to all the things that he had to overcome. Of course, there was a spleen injury back in March. But before that, you remember back to December in a game against the Avalanche, Nikita Zadorov, that really dangerous-looking hit that just sort of pile-drove Jesperi into the ice. It just was not... Uh, it was and back to the beginning of the season as well. He had a core injury. So, I mean, you're looking at a lot of adversity for Jesperi Kotkaniemi in his second season, which is typically a much more difficult season for young players than the rookie season. There's the sophomore slump. There's there's a name for it. So, I mean, thinking about all of that, the fact that he looks as good as he does right now, that is fantastic news for the Montreal Canadiens. Well, I think you make a very good point because it kind of puts the, his whole uh, second year in in context. He was coming off that that knee surgery, had knee surgery yep. last summer, um, and that seemed to affect his preparation. Uh, Joel Armia had asked him to come uh, to Helsinki with him to work out with Yanni Heinonen and Remo Suminen, uh, and he declined that and worked out on his own. And when he came to camp, he he just. Um, he, he wasn't the same and he, he, his confidence seemed to be shot. I remember that game in Bathurst where he, um, he just criticized himself and said how terrible he played. Um, and, and he he didn't get off to a good start. 
Uh, then he ran into a groin injury. There was a concussion um, that he had. And then uh, after his uh, demotion to the AHL, there was that uh, ugly incident uh, that caused a spleen injury against Cleveland Monsters. Uh, it it's And so he's come back. And yes, he appears stronger. His skating is much better. Uh, in this break, he did go and work with uh, Heinonen and Suminen. Um, one being a former NHLer, the other being a, a um, speed skater in Helsinki. Um, and and not only skating better, but uh, he said that, that um, you know, he wanted to improve his shot. And it seems that he's done that. Phil Deneau said... Uh, got got hit by a shot and it was <laughs> quote devastating. Uh, so he's improved his skating, improved his shot, stronger, seems healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other other uh, I think important point was his manner, his attitude. Kakenyemi has always been, and I don't mean this in a in a mean way, but goofy. Yeah, uh, he's just a goofy, happy, smiling guy, um, and. Uh, He's he's his attitude in camp this time is is uh, very serious. Yes. Uh, and you mentioned the Instagram uh, about them commenting about the Instagram <laughs> post. I think that's the only time during his press conference that he cracked a it smile. Yeah. Um, he's very serious. And, and Claude Julian talked about his his maturity. Um, and and I think Gallagher did as well uh, that that he just seems more serious about serious about the job that he's there to do. And, and in the past, I guess hockey's always been fun. Um, and now he realizes it's, it's a job that he has to work at it, that, um, he, he's not always the best guy uh, on the team that, that there are lots of good players and he has to work hard to compete. Um, and, and, that and and the maturity helps his confidence, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, so, I, I'm 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 happy to uh, to see. You know, he he talked about um, in the press conference. He was asked, "Well, was it your trip to Laval that helped you?" And he said, "No, I don't think so. Yeah. I had fun with those guys, but but that wasn't it. It seems like um, uh, and and he was asked." He was asked, uh, you know, how serious was your spleen injury? And he said, um, uh, I don't think I'm allowed to answer that. So next question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he and and remember, uh, we, that came out last year that Joel Armia had sat him down and said, tell the media as little as possible. Don't be so affable with with people, with the media. Just just answer the questions. Be mature. Be serious. Yeah. And he seems to have have finally taken that all to heart and and incorporated into his uh, persona as well as an improved on ice uh, presence. And as much as I will miss Smiley, good time, Yasperi Kotkaniemi uh, with the media, uh, it's it's yeah, it's it's noticeable that he has this change in attitude and he is focused primarily on what is ahead he's not worried about what's behind him at this point and there's a really telling moment and you referenced it there where he was asked did he think that being sent to Laval helped him was the best thing for him and you can know you see it noticeably that he's like no I I really don't think that it was but I I had a good time I I was able to find some confidence but he sees this now as a business and and I think that experience 
perhaps it was the best thing for him because he's he's at this point now and he seems like that demeanor as you know as you noted uh is vastly different from uh, what we have become accustomed to with Yasperi Kanyemi but uh bit of a wake up call I guess uh, yeah exactly and yeah. for sure exactly and uh look forward to seeing him um in in the games so he's, he seems to be uh taking nothing for granted he said a couple of times if coach wants me out on the ice if I'm in the lineup I will be, uh, you know, I'll be happy to be there. And uh, I think that given his attitude, given the way that he looks, I, I think that he will be there. Um, but, Rick, before we uh, before we move on to the impact of the coronavirus, there's also some interesting quotes that came out this week. And this is a, sort of a news segment called, They Said What Exactly? Well, this is and, for you. Uh, you. You like quotes. Yeah, I like <laughs> quotes. I like quotes. And there were some real good quotes this week. And we're going to start with one from Ilya Kovalchuk. Uh, because Ilya Kovalchuk was asked if he was, it was more difficult now, uh, knowing that he left the Habs, knowing now that they do have a shot to be a playoff team. And he said, uh, glad to be in Washington, but hopefully we see them in the conference finals. So uh, he's got some high hopes. He's got more. He's got higher hopes for the Montreal Canadiens than Montreal Canadiens fans do. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> That's right. But how how satisfying would that be for Ilya Kovacek to have the opportunity to beat the team that traded him? Uh, not, yeah. not that he was upset about it. I'm, he's he's like, he, but it's just the competitive aspect. And oh, I know sure. that Canadians fans are focused on how soon do we get Kovalchuk back once free agency starts? <laughs> but you can see where Kovalchuk's um, uh, focus is. It's on uh, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup. And if he has to dispatch the Canadians along the way, he's glad for that. Yeah, uh, that was that was quite the quote. Um, Got to be honest, I was a bit surprised to see it. But uh, it certainly is an interesting question, though, because obviously the Montreal Canadiens, they were going nowhere very quickly. So now they're in a spot where this sort of question does make sense. So uh, glad that we got the answer to it. Another interesting quote came from Kale Flurry this week, and uh, it sort of shines a light on a discussion that we've had various times over the past couple of years about the way that the Montreal Canadiens communicate, particularly with young players. Um, so Kale Flurry said that he really got no communication from Claude Julien or Mark Bergevin ahead of being sent down, and all of the communication about where he was to mature, where he was to, you know, sort of focus and uh, and, you know work on the areas for him to work on that was communicated via his agent so that doesn't really shine a very nice light on the montreal canadians let me uh i think we have that here yeah i've watched clips uh there wasn't really too many discussions other than uh when it happened uh kind of just hearing from my agents uh talking to the, the management and whatnot uh hearing what they wanted me to improve on then um for the most part it's just staying intense in battles and Really just focusing on in the D zone. So, as you said, is exactly as as you said. There's Kale's words directly. Um, when asked uh, what uh, you know, what was their message? There was no message. There was no discussion from the coach or the GM. It came through my agent. I have, I I have to admit, I've never heard of that. And we we we've heard in the past uh, about uh, from prospects. Uh, both publicly and privately uh, to us, that th there's very little communication between Claude Julien and his younger players. And, um, you know, for Kale Fleury, 
who, uh, you know, th- it 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 appeared that that uh, he started to to have uh, some issues in his NHL game. He had a great start, uh, but started to uh, make some mistakes and was getting a bit overwhelmed. And sending him to to Lavelle, I don't have a problem with that. But you sit him down and tell him what the issues are. You tell him why you're sending them. Uh, you're, you you tell him you uh, when you're going to bring him back. You you give him confidence. But to send him down and it's via your your agent, and the agents usually deal with financial issues and contracts and that sort of thing, not hockey issues. Um, that, that was bizarre to me. Well, the sports business, it's all about cultivating these relationships, right, between management and players. And ultimately what this does is years down the line, if you think that Kale Fleury is going to be a part of your NHL team, is he going to have more respect for you because you told him personally what he needed to work on, what he needed to do down in, with the farm team? Or is he going to respect you more because you said, oh, yeah, we're going to tell your agent, he's going to tell you, and, and just go just go down to Laval. Like, this is, this is ridiculous to me. Obviously, it's their prerogative if they want to send that guy down to the minors. But, but to just send him down with no direction, no clear direction, no communication, that is something that needs to change very quickly because... Kale Fleury, uh, I, and, and personally for me, I, I didn't think that he should have been sent down at the time. But regardless, if that's the choice that they came to, at least have the decency to talk to the guy and let him know what your plan is for him. Not to just send him down and make off like it doesn't matter that, that he's not around anymore. That, that really does nothing for anyone involved. It does nothing for the Montreal Canadiens uh, with respect to how they're viewed by Kale Fleury and his agent does nothing to do uh nothing for kale flurry that's really positive because he doesn't get to have that sort of feel that he has that respect of the organization so that's something that needs to change real quick and and we've talked about it and i'm not sure that it will but the communication does leave a lot to be desired with young players with this organization indeed so with that said uh, Mark Bergevin, though, is still happy that the young players that he has on his team are going to get an opportunity to gain some experience here in this qualification round. <laughs> so this is a qualification round. And if the Canadians beat the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, they're going to be in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And then the road to the playoffs is long and, 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 and uh, you know, um, but, but exciting for fans. Um, but, but Mark Bergevin described it in a little bit different way, and I'm going to let you hear that. It's going to be so much different playing against a team who has playoff experience, uh, a team where we had somehow success against this year, and it's a short series. So, you know, anything's possible, and to gain them as much as possible from from going to Toronto and, and competing to move on. So uh, I, it can only help moving forward for years to come. I can't see the bad side of going to this little tournament and uh, gaining some experience going to this little tournament <laughs> this little tournament <laughs> not the road to the Stanley Cup playoffs so no. uh, was that a, was that a tell was 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 that Mark Bergevin saying we're not getting past this uh, best of five <laughs> thing so it's this little tournament that we're taking. I'm happy to have that 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 experience uh, for my younger players from this little tournament. I I thought those words were remarkable. 
Yeah, and, and we're going to get to uh, some of the thoughts of the Montreal Canadiens as it pertains to this quote-unquote little tournament uh, in the second segment. Uh, but before we get there, uh, Rick, the impact of the coronavirus this week, a little bit of a shorter than usual uh, segment, but still, um, this was, I was honestly, I was flabbergasted when I saw on my Twitter timeline Flooding at Rogers Place in Edmonton. I could not, like, it was unfathomable, unfathomable to me. And uh, Mark Lazarus tweeted out a quote from Patrick Kane where he said, it's almost as if someone or something does not want this to happen. (laughs) (laughs) And I I completely agree with that. And uh, to quote a great man, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. And uh, what's going on right now just does not, it feels like someone, there's divine intervention, whatever it is, someone does not want this happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, if you took, took a look at the video uh, of, of the entranceway to Roger's uh, place in Edmonton, flooded, water just yeah. pouring through like a river. <laughs> um, and uh, they, they had extreme thunderstorms, they had a bit of hail. Uh, yeah. A huge downpour, and um, the the water just came rushing in uh, into a, a into the 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 concourse, the the entranceway concourse. Now, the only saving grace in this is that it damaged. Uh, there's water damage to the the fan areas. If fans were going to be in the building, no way they could they could get it all cleaned up and ready. Yeah, but. No fans, so no problem. So we're told. Uh, the The damage didn't carry on to the to the dressing rooms or the players' areas or any of the 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 areas that are going to be needed for the um, to act as a, a hub for for the Western Conference. So um, a bit of a saving grace, but Patrick yeah. Patrick Kane nailed it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as as you said, there's there's no concern that it will affect the actual uh, arena portion of the uh, of the Rogers Place Arena. But that was yeah, exactly. It was just it was jarring to see because we have we have seen so many different you know hurdles and have had to have had to have overcome so many different hurdles just to get to this point and just to get one more one just thrown at the NHL. It was just it was really remarkable. Uh, but moving on, uh, so the other hub for the NHL, of course, is Toronto, which could be a pretty busy spot because the Blue Jays, the Toronto Blue Jays of the MLB, also might be playing in Toronto. Uh, Premier Doug Ford of Ontario spoke uh, as if it was a done deal on Thursday, that it would be a for sure thing. The Toronto Blue Jays would be playing their baseball uh, in Toronto, and this this came after Lisa McLeod, the Minister of Heritage and Tourism, uh, in Ontario, uh, told TSN 1200 in Ottawa the team was given clearance to play at Rogers Center. Uh, Dr. David Williams, the province's chief medical officer, granted approval. They are w- awaiting federal approval because, uh, you know, of course, this is a bit of a concern when it comes to the MLB because the way the MLB is doing it, you're traveling city to city, you're traveling, uh, and, and when it comes to the Toronto Blue Jays being the only team outside of the United States, that means crossing the border. So, this is still up in the air, but it seems as though Toronto is the front runner for where the Toronto Blue Jays will be playing their home games this season. Right now, Buffalo looks like a plan B, and that's where the uh, AAA affiliate of the Blue Jays play their baseball. No minor league baseball this year. There was some concern that that wouldn't have the lighting required for major league baseball, but they'll they'll make do, I guess. And then, of course, 
Dunedin in Florida is in play, but that seems like the, uh, the sort of last resort type thing yeah. uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays. But this is all, uh, the, the approval is all permitting that these players do stay in the Rogers Center the entire time because there's a hotel attached to the Rogers Center, so they are not allowed to leave under any circumstances. There was a new Blue Jays infielder, Travis Shaw, voiced some concerns about being there the entire summer. He retracted some of the statements that he made, and, and you can understand from his perspective to be confined to that space all summer would be a little bit, you know, um, you're not really designed to live life that way. So it would be a bit difficult. But regardless, if all things go according to plan, the Blue Jays might be playing baseball at their actual home or uh, home or uh, baseball field. So that's that's positive news for that. But Rick, before we before we move on to segment number two, we will uh, tee up the conversation that we will be having, which is about the NHL scheduled to restart on August 1st. And how exactly did we get here? What concerns will these NHL teams have entering the bubble? And some interesting comments from Elliot Friedman concerning the Montreal Canadiens. So stick around. We'll be back after a quick break. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And welcome back here to episode 93 of the Canadians Connection podcast. Just thinking back to that off the top of the show, Doug Gilmore having a having a special special guest, Doug Gilmore, pop in. Nice show. Uh, yeah. Man, yeah, fantastic. Even as a Toronto Maple Leaf, Dougie Gilmore, how can you not appreciate the way Doug Gilmore played the game? Just just hard nosed, 
lunch pail guy went to work. Gotta love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of hard uh, going to work, uh, hard hat, lunch pail, whatever you'd like to call it. August 1st is when NHL players will be entering the bubble to uh, go to work and play some NHL hockey. As you mentioned uh, before, uh, back in the first segment, the Montreal Canadiens will be playing an exhibition game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that always is a good way to get things going, to feel like NHL is back, uh, Habs Leafs. Even if it is an exhibition game, these guys are going to be ramping it up and trying to get back into game shape. So you have to expect that uh, emotions, even though in an empty building, might be running high in that game. Um, but August 1st is when it officially gets close. And Rick, this has always seemed like it was something that was so far off in the distance that it was just this abstract thing that if everything went according to plan and you checked all the boxes off, you could eventually get to this point. But this is imminent. This is just around the corner. We're drawing ever closer to the start of seeing NHL hockey again. So let, like, how did we get here exactly? What, what went right? What, what things happened? What did NHL teams, I mean, there's still got to be obvious concerns about what they're doing and, and they're entering these bubbles, these hub cities, Edmonton and Toronto. And that's another aspect of this too. We thought that for sure that Vegas was going to be one of the hub cities. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. So, so much has changed in the, in the lead up to this. This has just all been such a, a whirlwind. It's, it's remarkable. Uh, a whirlwind and a lot was done in a pretty short period of time, considering the way um, collective bargaining goes. And, you know, this was, uh, it turned out with both uh, Gary Bettman and Donald Fear uh, that this wasn't just a return to play uh, arrangement um, and that, that they wanted to include um, a CBA extension as well to make sure that there was labor peace. Uh, and, and that's key because the return to play had all kinds of issues about trying to recoup um, lost revenue, lost revenue for, for the end of the regular season, for a ticket buyer, for all of that. And the only way that that could be done was over a long period of time. And so that's why they right from the start, right from the, the beginning, said, okay, if we're going to put together this return-to-play protocol, we have to make sure that a new CBA is a priority. Um, and that's a, that was a big task. That was, that was a big decision. And so the players said, oh, boy, a new CBA. Uh, we need some things. <laughs> we, we've, been, <laughs> we've been wanting some things. We don't like that. And we heard uh, some of the players, uh, Panarin and, and others, uh, say, well, yeah. we don't like this escrow business. And <laughs> and right away, the owners, uh, they talked about, okay, we got to make changes to salary arbitration and the contract, uh, the, the structure of the contracts and uh, long-term injuries and that sort of thing. And both Gary Bettman and Donald Fear said to both sides, uh-uh, we're not doing it. We're not. You're not getting the little goodies uh this is this is going to be a big picture deal um that that uh led to labor peace um so it was a very very different bargaining uh position and listen um they they each side got some things the the um owners and the franchises got uh concessions with respect to the cash flow and those needs addressed the um the players that uh, opt-out that we talked about, Carl Alsner took advantage. The opt-out with, without any penalty, that was a big get for them. The Olympics was a big get. 
uh, the cap on escrow was a huge get because um, it was reported by many, uh, Bob McKenzie, Elliot Friedman, that without that new um, uh, cap on escrow and, and the agreement on, on, on the salary cap, that the salary cap would probably have fallen to the $65 million range. Uh, the escrow could have been 40 to 70%, um, which would have been disastrous. So all of those things were big gets for the players. However, we know that the owners approved this unanimously. It wasn't as unanimous for the players. And the final player individual vote was 79-21, which sounds like a, a big majority, but but when it comes to CBAs, that, that's a little bit more divided than, than usual. And I think the issue there is because the two things were put in one package, one voting package, uh, both the return to play protocol and the CBA. Now, you can, you can see that there's, there's going to be, um, well, there were seven teams that, that didn't, weren't uh, allowed to continue to play. Uh, didn't make this qualifying round, and and then eventually the playoffs. So they could vote for a CBA without any risk of committing to a return to play. Um, so each of them had different kind of focuses, and and um, and there was some discussion. And we know that that even in the NHLPA executive, that there was two teams that voted against it: Carolina and Chicago. And Elliot Friedman talked about uh, how. Um, Jonathan Taves emerged as a real leader for the players, not only for the Chicago Blackhawks, but uh, for giving players um, a, a bigger voice. And, and he stood up and asked tough questions and was tough on the, the PA uh, exec. Um, and the other group that was tough were the Montreal Canadiens. The Montreal yeah. Canadiens, uh, apparently the call between the Canadiens and, and the PA was brutal. Um, and we know that uh, Paul Byron um, expressed concern. Right, up, we reported that a, a few uh, few podcasts back. Brendan Gallagher had concerns. Brendan Gallagher is wondering why are we even playing? Uh, we're out of it. Um, we're, yeah. we, we were we were set <laughs> on next year. Why is this even happening? We even know that Carey Price uh, had said, "Well, it's kind of fifty fifty. My questions haven't been answered here, and I'll need to know more before I can." Um, put my support behind this. Um, and it all evolved uh, to the point, apparently, we remember that that uh, Instagram post that Angela Price put out about Carrie leaving to return. That was a big signal. That was a huge signal, not only for uh, the Montreal Canadiens, but for the for all members uh, of of the NHLPA, that was a signal. If Carrie's playing, we're playing. This is happening. We're going back. Yeah. This is this is this is going to happen. So, all of this was difficult, very difficult negotiations. Um, but give them credit. It it it. <laughs> They managed to patch it all together and and make it work, and and they have a framework to return on August first. Yeah, and and yeah, you're exactly right to say none of this was easy. None of this was was going to be easy because players are well within the right, as we've seen, to opt out of this because there are obvious concerns about what they are doing and what they are entering right now, and specifically with Carey Price, as you said, 
I mean, he's leaving behind his wife who is pregnant with their third child. There's obvious there's there's these guys have lives beyond the sport as well to to consider. And uh, it's yeah, it's understandable from the Montreal Canadiens perspective specifically um, to voice some concerns about entering this bubble with with no real thinking they have no real shot to advance beyond the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that, I mean, what's it? Was it really worth it to enter it if that is ultimately what's going to happen? If they're just going to be sent home unceremoniously and they've entered into this bubble, they'll have to wait or, or whatever the, the protocol would be to depart. I don't know what that would be like, what that would even look like. But it's still got to be very concerning for these players entering this bubble with this type of uncertainty, especially for a lower seeded team like the Montreal Canadiens, who didn't think they had any business taking part in something like this, this little tournament, as Mark Bergevin put it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, re- we remember, uh, I mean, uh, 71 points, 71 games, 24th place uh, in the NHL. Um, they had no business thinking about playoffs. Mark Bergevin wasn't thinking about playoffs. Traded no. Marco Scandella, traded uh, t- uh, Nate Thompson, Cousins, Kovalchuk, um, Matt Pekka, if he counts. Uh, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> They 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 had no, uh, in well uh, no expectation is the word I was looking for uh, that they would be playing, but then uh, that leads to uh, the conversation um, that apparently was had, and uh, Elliot Friedman um, said, "Here's a team, here's a team that really doesn't want to play." Now, I is that true? Um, is this a team that really doesn't want to play? And listen, we know that fans don't want them to win. <laughs> we know that they <laughs> exactly. don't want them to win because they want Alexi Lafreniere, the one and eight shot at getting Alexi Lafreniere. But an assertion like this from Elliot Friedman, who is as connected as they come, that the Montreal Canadiens do not want to play. And consider the fact that you got two guys and Shea Weber and Carey Price that know the clock is ticking on their careers, that the window might be closing. They might have more solid years left in the tank, but you don't know. You don't want to take any opportunity uh, for granted to win a Stanley Cup. But with all of this uncertainty, you understand where they're coming from on this. And that's not to suggest that these guys aren't competitors. Brendan Gallagher was to the podium and he said all the right things. That we're here to compete, we're here to try to win, we're here to try to move on and get into the playoffs. But how likely is that scenario? And, you know, as I said, we know that the fans, the fans are not even asking that this team win. So, yeah, it it makes sense that this assertion from from Elliot Friedman would come to light, that the Montreal Canadiens just don't want to play. It's it's a peculiar situation, as as you yeah. said. There's there's so many benefits to not uh, <laughs> m- moving on um, for the fan base and for the long term uh, success of the franchise. Um, you know, uh, is is do, do the players feel safe? Uh, do they feel they can win? Um, do they feel they're they're better off winning? You know, all those are are enormous question marks. Um, and so I have no doubt that now that they're practicing, now that they're um, together again, that they want to win as much as anybody else. But what happens, what happens when they lose that first game? 
what happens if they face some adversity with respect to an injury or with respect to um, a COVID positive case? Um, uh, is there is their heart still in it? Are they as committed as another team? Um, uh, Pittsburgh has been described as one of the you know the most professional and and uh, committed and and with a strong leadership core and um, I I don't know and 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 I think it's I I. I'm not criticizing Elliot Friedman for raising this. He's just reporting. And as you said, excellent reporter. Um, but I think we're going to see how this plays out um, in the, in the series. And it's going to, if it, if it happens, it's going to be over quick. We're going to, fun, we're going to know pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that the part of this to me, that's going to be interesting is the Montreal Canadiens youth, if they use their youth, which I think has been the the point that we have both been trying to drive home, is that they might just not know any better, that they might just go <laughs> out there and play, and it, yeah. it doesn't matter. They might just go out. Jesperi Kotkaniemi, as we've said, looks as determined as he ever has. Does that move the needle? Probably not. It's the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's Sidney Crosby. It's Evgeny Malkin. We know this. But you've got Nick Suzuki. You've got other younger players. You've got Kale Fleury, potentially. Who knows? There's there's a lot of uncertainty as to what the roster is going to look like because it's going to be a fluid thing that's changing day by day, depending on who's available, depending on how this all sort of works out with the testing and all of those things. But regardless, it it raises a real, as you said, it raises a real interesting question and one that we probably thought that we didn't need to have, uh, to have asked at this point that the Montreal Canadiens are not that really um, either they're not interested in playing or they're going to go and they're going to do what they can. But is it going to be enough? Obviously with Carey Price, he was a point in the NHLPA of making this a five game series because he has the potential and the ability to drastically alter the way a game goes. Uh, but is that going to be enough? Is Yasperi Kotkaniemi looking like he has going to be enough? Is Shea Weber being a force going to be enough? Probably not when it's all said and done. And then that leaves the Montreal Canadiens uh, wondering if it was all worth it, if, if, if entering the bubble was all worth it. And that's something to me that we're going to have to wait and see because that's the only way that we can do this. So, Rick, with that said, uh, we will take a quick break here on the Canadiens Connection podcast. When we come back, because the Montreal Canadiens have shifted from doing the Zoom, the uh, the conference calls to doing actual Zoom press conferences, we've got some clips that we're going to play that are that are pretty funny. Uh, but we've also, as we've said off the top of the show, we have the poll question for this week, which is which young player are you looking forward to seeing play for the Montreal Canadiens in the qualification round? We've thrown it out on Twitter with Jesperi Kakiyami, Nick Suzuki, and Kale Fleury. We threw it out on Facebook with just Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kotkaniemi, but we're going to get to the results after just a quick break. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. 
Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Just to clarify, uh, the poll that I referenced on Twitter is Noah Juleson, Yasperi Kakanyemi, and Nick Suzuki. Kale Fleury, not a part of that. Kale Fleury is still a, a really fun guy to watch. But Noah Juleson, of course, his story and all the things that he's overcome, uh, you've got to look at that and say that that is a, a tremendous story and, and, and tremendous that he is there, that he's even there participating uh, in this uh, return to play, but uh, still, we, we're going to get. He's he looked does. pretty good. He's he, and, he does, and apparently he feels good. And and uh, you know that it was 2018 uh, game against Washington. Puck, uh, you know, fluky puck in the face twice. Yeah, uh, and uh, it it's been a difficult pause in his uh, development for a year and a half and and uh, he you know he he was going to be counted on for the Canadians on the right side could he be counted on for this turn we don't know um yeah but boy I'd <laughs> like to see him rather than Christian Folan that yeah that is for sure so we're going to get to the results to this poll also of note was that there's something that just came out came to uh, our attention was that Sidney Crosby um, not participating in practice. The Pittsburgh Penguins not allowed to comment on why he's mm-hmm. not participating. Uh, so that's something to think about, especially with the Montreal Canadiens. If you're, as we mentioned off the top, Max Domi's situation, you don't really have to just pay attention to what's happening in Montreal. You also have to pay attention to everyone else, really. So uh, this is something to consider going forward. We don't know the specifics and we're not going to know the specifics. But that is something uh, of note uh, just to uh, get uh, addressed off the top. But, Rick, so we know that technology is not always our friend. (laughs) It is most times our friend, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a bit of a pain. And uh, no one knows this better than, I guess, the Montreal Canadiens who have shifted from doing the conference calls just over the phone with players and coaches and Mark Bergevin, etc. They've now shifted to doing Zoom press calls, which, I mean, at least lets you get to see the player or coach that you're questioning but at the same time it opens up yourself to a couple of different issues that the 
conference call doesn't really present. <laughs> so the Canadians had, and this is uh, Monday's uh, press conference with with uh, Mark Bergevin. Um, not all of the discussion was about his hair, although his hair was pretty <laughs> wild. Um, Majestic. It, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, they, I, I love the somebody uh, took that and took um, Mark Bergevin's new hair and pasted it on Claude Julien uh, in in his pre- which was which was fun. I mean, it's fun. <laughs> Um, but you know, throughout the pandemic, uh, zoom has obviously gained in, in popularity. The Canadians want to take advantage of that. Um, they're, they're, they're owned by a, a technology company. They're, 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 the buildings that they play in are named for technology companies. You'd think they'd be on the absolute cutting edge. Yeah. But Monday's press conference uh, via Zoom was a bit of a disaster. And part of it, part of it, um, you know, it's it's journalists getting used to the new technology. Uh, but it was the press conference was delayed while there was connection problems and so on. Uh, but they finally got together and and, and um, got it going and then um, asked uh, the journalists to ask their questions and, and reporters um with Zoom, if you're ever on a Zoom call, remember you have to unmute yourself. And so we put together a bit of a, a montage of, um, of Pat Hickey. <laughs> and there's not, not to make fun of Pat or anything, uh, but you should know that I've compressed these because otherwise we'd be here forever. So there's long gaps in between when they were trying to get Pat Hickey on the uh, 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 connected to be able to ask Mark Bergevin a, a question. Pat, please unmute your phone. Pat, you need to unmute on your uh, unmute, Pat. Zoom call. Okay, <laughs> on semble avoir des petits oh, enjeux avec Pat pour l'instant. Okay. Uh, oh, he's unmuted. We're going to try oh. Pat Hickey again. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Uh, can, you, uh, can you hear me now? Yes, yeah. we can. Okay. 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 Mark, how long? Oh, no, he's gone Pat, again. you have another oh, question? No. <laughs> try and get him again. We're going to go back to Pat Hickey. Okay. Um. Oh no! Oh no! Poor Pat. Uh, Poor Pat didn't get in there. This is not. Uh, yeah. But it's but difficult. not again. <laughs> it was, yeah. Oh, it it, it kind of went like that the whole time. Yeah. Um, and then there was uh, Eric Ingalls, um, <laughs> who Eric was on site at Broussard, but cell services, if you've been there, pretty bad at at Broussard. The Wi-Fi has gotten better. Um, but Eric had uh, some problems as well. Okay, then we'll move on to uh, Eric Engels. Uh, Eric, your microphone is open. <laughs> Eric, you got to unmute your... Um... Hey, Mark. Oh, no. Oh, goodness. <laughs> swimming pool? <laughs> Eric, we can we cannot hear you. I'm sorry. Sorry, Eric, for now. Oh no. Okay. Wow. Uh, can you hear me now? Sorry. Right. No. Yes, Eric. Well, uh, Mark will will just finish answering his question. Uh, the difficulty was that Eric kept coming in in the midst of, of other people's questions, in the, vids, in the midst of, oh of Mark Bergevin's answers. Uh, and if you caught, Mark Bergevin said, I, I think Eric's in a swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was, um, 
yeah, as I said, technology, as much as it is helpful now, it is not always our friend. Uh, and in this instance, boy, oh boy, that was, that was a lot to take in. <laughs> but uh, Rick, I guess we'll move to our poll question for this week, which uh, was simply, who are you most excited to see perform in the Habs lineup against the Pens? And we've limited it to three young players in particular that we think could have an impact for the Montreal Canadiens. As we said, Noah Jolson, one of the options here on Twitter, as well as Yusperi Kakanyemi and Nick Suzuki. And by the way, you can still cast your vote. This is still going on. This is ongoing. We're just going to update you on the results to this point, and that is from the Canadians Connection official Twitter account, at Habs Connection on Twitter. Um, so at this moment in time, Yasperi Kotkaniemi does have the lead with 56% of the vote here on Twitter. And of course, as we, we discussed, there's been the videos, there's been the clips of his, his shot. There's been Philip Deneau saying that he took a shot from Yasperi Kotkaniemi and it was devastating. The improved skating ability, all of those things factor in to why he would be a uh, put in that spot with 56% of the vote at this moment in time. And then the other 27% goes to Nick Suzuki, 17% goes to Noah Juleson. And as we said, if Noah Juleson is there playing third pair defense for the Montreal Canadiens or playing at all in whatever role he would be playing, that's positive news given all that he's had to overcome. Mm -hmm. And and we've had people point that out, all of the different things that he's had to overcome. And uh, the fact that he looks as good as he does given the fact you missed that much time. That is positive news for sure. Uh, but what about Facebook? What about the All Habs fan page? Now, it's it's interesting because they're different fans. Uh, some people have both, but um, we, we, we continu- continuously notice that Twitter fans are different. Twitter Habs fans are different from Facebook Habs fans. And this poll kind of bears it out. Now, Facebook, uh, to find us on Facebook... Uh, just search for all Habs, all one word, all Habs. Join more than 40,000 uh, Habs fans and, and share your opinions. Uh, we're, follow the page and we're glad to, to uh, get you interacting and hear your, your uh, responses to these polls and other uh, debates that uh, happen there. Um, on Facebook, uh, only allowed two choices on their polls. Uh, so we chose uh, Kakanyemi and Suzuki and different, as I said, answering the question, who are you most excited to see perform in the Habs lineup against the Pens? Our Facebook uh, contingent says by 69%, Nick Suzuki, uh, 31%, uh, Um Colin Cruz says KK will be the second line eventually, Suzuki first line before too long. Um, uh, Francis Maynard says, well, I'm picking uh, Suzuki. He'll be in the top six. Uh, wait, Domi will come back, and KK could be on the third or fourth line. Um, then a dispute broke out with Hardly Rutenberg, <laughs> and and they and he said, no, he's not going to be on the fourth line, and, and it went back and forth. Um, uh, Jonathan uh, Skugarnik uh, says uh, he wants to see both, but the edge uh, towards uh, Suzuki. So, um, there's some really good storylines here. Um, yeah. Yes, Barry Kakinami is one. Nick Suzuki uh, is, is having that Matt. Well, if Domi doesn't come back, has that responsibility of facing uh, Malkin or Crosby, um, and and you know that's that's not a rookie assignment anymore. 
And uh, um, as we, we talked about, uh, Noah Jolson uh, would be a big plus uh, on the third pairing. And yeah, it makes sense. I mean, looking at the season that the rookie season that Nick Suzuki put together before the season was paused, he was playing some really great hockey, one of the really bright spots for the Montreal Canadiens this year. So understandable that he would get uh, that much of the vote uh, on Facebook and uh, on, on Twitter. He is in second place behind Yasperi Kotkaniemi, and maybe Twitter users are seeing the clips that are being put out there of Yasperi Kotkaniemi. Maybe that has something to do with it. But regardless, I think the Montreal Canadiens, with those three guys that we had in the Twitter poll, if they are all back and able to help out, then who knows? Maybe maybe they can give them a little bit of a fight, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. But it's, it will be an uphill battle. Uh, so, Rick, uh, before we sign off for another week, is there anything else you'd like to get to here on the Canadians Connection podcast? I'm just going to remind you to subscribe. Uh, we really are grateful to you for staying with us all through this pandemic coverage. Uh, you've had uh, weekly uh, podcasts from us here at the Canadians uh, Connection, uh, Joe and myself. Uh, also, every Tuesday, you have the Press Zone. It used to be from the Press Box. Now we're calling it the Press Zone. Uh, and that is uh, Amy Johnson and myself. Uh, all of our podcasts here at Rocket Sports Radio are produced and hosted by credential hockey journalists. Uh, that makes a difference. Lots of lots of choices out there, and we're glad you uh, choose a podcast. Choose podcasts that you can trust. So be sure to subscribe to the Canadians Connection, and be sure to subscribe to the Press Zone on your favorite podcast apps. Absolutely, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, whichever one you choose. Uh, yes, just hit that subscribe button for the Canadians Connection and the Press Zone. And these Rocket Sports Radio's radio podcasts, as Rick said, are hosted and produced by credential journalists. So Rick will be back uh, this time next week discussing all things Montreal Canadiens as we draw ever closer to a return to play. And uh, this time next week, the Canadiens will just be days removed or days uh, before playing that uh, exhibition game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we'll have that to discuss next week. So uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning into the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. We'll be back with you next week. See you later. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.